0: Welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding, Interview Edition, recorded Tuesday, June 30th, 2015. Don't adjust your dial, this is not Jeff King with a cold, this is Paul Koska, owner of Brick and Brack Games and All Us Geeks contributor, and I am your host for tonight's Game of Crowdfunding. A quick shout-out to Don Lloyd, who supports All Us Geeks over on Patreon, thanks so much Don. Don. Uh, if you like a shout out too, make sure to check out the patreon page. should be a link in the show notes and now on to tonight's interview and who is joining me this evening over skype
1: uh tonight it is Ryan Cowler with uh, uh working with Jason Gatarski and Green Couch games and you've got your own company name too, right yeah, yeah F- fierce punch games is is what I've been using kind of uh by myself it works it works you got got to rep yourself you got to rep yourself yeah (laughs) for whatever it may be good or bad yes
0: (laughs) well uh ryan's got a uh very exciting project coming up on kickstarter uh bottom well should be less than a month from now really because we're almost into july um but we'll talk about that a little later first we'll just get to know ryan a bit uh so first We've got to do the patented Jeff King warm-up questions. Oh, yeah. You'll be very disappointed in me (laughs) and fire me. And considering (laughs) it's my first interview tonight, it would be sad to get fired after just one. Um, (laughs) So first up, Ryan Cowler, when you're not designing games, what do you do for a living? Now, I know you've got a really interesting hobby that I will definitely (laughs) bring up a little bit later, but I don't think that's what you do for a living.
1: No, <laughs> no. Uh, thankfully, no. My 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 body would be be tore up if that was my living. Um, what I do for a living is I'm a a commercial uh, inspector for a, a large pest control company. So um, I deal with bugs all day. uh specifically commercial sites, so bakeries and and you know other manufacturing plants, medical manufacturing facilities, all that uh, boring stuff. How stuff gets made. I do inspections at those facilities and help them to uh, not get bugs.
0: Well, Jeff's uh, got a theory that most people who design games are either teachers or in IT, and that just blows that the hell right out of the water. Um,
1: well, <laughs> not not quite. I, in before I, I, I was the pest control inspector, I was a fire systems engineer. Oh, there you so go. So that's kind of geeky. And then before that, before I was a fire systems engineer, I was a uh, performing arts instructor. For, for quite a few years. So that's kind of, kind of teaching. Well,
0: then I personally apologize to Jeff King right now.
1: <laughs> I snuck it in. I still find a way to, to boomerang it.
0: But my big question I'll, is,
1: I'll just right off the bat, how,
0: if you're a, a bug guy, if you're a pest control guy, how does that not the wrestling profile? I mean, we'll talk about that later. We'll, but that's just, you know, like right there, man. That's so 90s.
1: Uh, yeah, it is, and that's yeah, and the in the the uh, the the '80s and '90s um, trend of of occupational wrestler gimmicks. You'd have been, you'd yeah, been that, right that there, have been right up there.
0: <laughs> With uh, what was that? the 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 dentist guy. Oh, who was? Yeah, you had
1: Dwight, Yan- yes, DDS. Dwight you Yankum. Yes, Dwight Yankum. DDS. Uh, yes, you had uh, Duke the Dumpster Drozy. Um, various escaped criminals, such as nails that for some reason weren't, weren't arrested, but allowed to wrestle in a ring, even though they supposedly escaped from a, you know, (laughs) from a jail. And the most
0: famous of them all, of course, (laughs) the undertaker.
1: Exactly. For, Hey, it's the most, uh, I guess you could say is the most successful wrestling gimmick of all time really probably the best one. the
0: undertaker and the pallbearer it's... and people who don't know you have no idea what the hell we're talking about at the moment <laughs> so we'll come back to that
1: um, yes
0: <laughs> so let's uh let's go to question number two on the jeff king patented mm-hmm. list of warm-up questions it's this is all all us geeks that's the network we're on here of course and so the obvious question is what makes you a geek
1: what makes me a geek is that uh i have way too many hobbies um to my my, my fingers are in, are in so many pies i have so many interests anything that uh is remotely geeky i've i've probably dipped my toe in uh, uh once or twice um I mean, any anything and everything (laughs) that has to do with entertainment and geek stuff. I'm I'm all about that to to the core. Ever since I was a kid, my dad's geek, uh, a real geeky guy. Thankfully, so he kind of passed that on to me.
0: (laughs) I mean, is it you know? I mean, obviously it's it's wrestling, but is it you know anime? Is it Star Wars? Is it Star Trek? What's uh, what gets the the geek juices flowing for you?
1: yes um all that stuff uh professional wrestling um i mean as as far as my my big hobbies uh, i collect uh pinball machines i'm a pinball enthusiast i collect uh game consoles um vintage game consoles obscure games Mm -hmm. and uh anything having to do with games board games i i collected as well um yeah I mean uh, uh, probably of of the the hobbies where where I collect stuff that that I do on a day to day probably pinball's the most unique even though they're more and more but pinball's kind of gaining steam now it's getting into the into the pop culture more and more kind of the resurgence the past few years
0: well yeah, but not everybody collects them, and not everybody can just wander out of the house and pick up a pinball machine at walmart so uh, <laughs> yeah. what uh yeah. What is the best, or perhaps the most rare, pinball machine in your collection?
1: Ooh, well, uh, best, the game that I like most, um, and, and most uh, pinball collectors or enthusiasts will tell you that there's no such thing as a bad pinball. They're all good. Um, but but my, I have a collection of five so far, so it's a small collection by collectors' standards and a huge collection by you know just casual passerby standing by a spouse um, what... yes <laughs> especially for the 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 room uh entire room in our house that it takes up um but out of my my collection my most favorite is is probably x-men um stern x-men which, which came out a few years ago it's an incredibly difficult really hard game a lot of my friends and and people that aren't uh you know that are, that are casual pinball players really don't like it too much because it's so brutal and hard, but that's that's why I love the game. It's really thematic and the sound, everything about the game I, I dig. So that's that's probably my my favorite. Um, and you said that's a new one? Yeah, that's a newer one. That's that one is uh two thousand thirteen. Because
0: I think most people who collect machines go for the older ones.
1: Yeah there's I mean you, you got the what's called electromechanical ones that are in kind of the the 50s, 60s before um, there were computers. And then once you get into the uh, seventies, eighties and you have the solid state ones, and that's where uh, a lot of the people probably think of, you know, pinball machines and movies and stuff. Usually they're from that era. Um, And then into the nineties, you know, after Terminator two, which was around 99, 1992, 93 onward, um, it's kind of the let's consider the modern era of pinball, where they have the display, the dot matrix uh, dot matrix display up top. Mm-hmm. Rules were more complicated, and just a whole lot more going on. Um, and through all that, the uh, the pinball industry pretty much imploded and collapsed in the around 2000. And there was one company left that kind of hobbled their way through the early to mid. 2000s and then right about 2010 or 11 uh pinball started getting more of a a following start starting to come back and getting more and more press and now they're just the, the games that they're making now stern is is the main the leading uh, uh manufacturer although there are smaller companies now coming up but stern pinball is kind of the the big dog in the yard and they're just pinball's so fun i mean it's it's awesome it's a great time does uh does midway still make pinball games
0: i know that was their bread and butter forever
1: yeah midway they they had uh mid may uh, Midmay, uh Midway pinball and the midway uh, Arcade division they were across the street from one another, and they that all the pinball division imploded in october of of two thousand or I think it was nineteen ninety nine when they just completely cut ties and and closed down um, closed down the the bally it was Bally Williams kind of combined um, their pinball division and then Stern absorbed what used to be data east so that was another big in and, and the in and the 90s he had data east and they made like jurassic park uh pinball machine for jurassic park and a bunch of other pretty cool games and that data east basically became what is now stern pinball and tried to carry the torch as best they could through the very very lean years in the, in the 2000s and you see, folks, you, when you
0: tuned in tonight, you didn't even realize that you were going to get a graduate level course on the history of pinball machines.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can go all the way back. If you want to go to Italy to the Bagatelles in the the early eighteen hundreds, I can do that too. Well, but we, I, I figure that's a little bit too far back.
0: Yeah, it might be a little esoteric for the people who came in to, <laughs> yeah. to learn about uh, dinosaurs and wrestling. So exactly, might, you know, that's more exciting. Yeah, we might have to give the people what they want. But let's let's move <laughs> yeah. on to uh, to the third uh Jeff King patented warm up question which is uh do you have any geek level passions for anything that most people would consider
1: not geeky um you know that's tough cuz all, all of my my passions I, I do consider very geeky i mean within uh like the i guess that aside from pinball which is still geeky but not a lot of people are, are as heavily into it as i am um I really like the uh, the the way chemicals are, or the, the, how pest control chemicals work. As part of my job, I have to know a lot of how different chemicals interact with a nervous system mm-hmm. and what's good for what. So I know probably more than I should uh, about chemicals and and um, you know their job in the nervous system. I mean it's. That's probably even that is still geeky because it's still science, right? It's still about how stuff works, and It's true, and, but I, and how it
0: interacts.: I would say most uh, most people who go to conventions or dress up like Star Wars characters probably don't also go home and think about pesticides. So thats the, that's that, true.: I think okay. that applies. I <laughs> think that
1: applies. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and to round it out, um, why, with all these interests and, and all these varying things? What brought you to designing tabletop games?
1: Um my it starts started from my dad. When I was uh, little, my dad traveled a lot for work. He was a, a software engineer, so he would uh he would travel all you know to Japan and back and, and to Europe where where originally I, I was born in England, so um we'd go to Europe all the time and he'd always bring back Different games, video games, board games, different types of things that we just didn't didn't see in the states. And so from an early age, I got very interested in how those games made me feel, and I wanted to make things that made me feel the same way that were my own. Um, so I, I've always kind of had that that spark to just create stuff. I've um, you know I'm, I'm purely a, a creative person. I'm ninety nine percent. Uh, creativity and one percent ambition i just like to make stuff and that that kind of rolled into me really focusing in tabletop gaming when i went to get a game design degree um which was focusing uh, mostly in video games and during that process it really kind of i don't want to say that that video games kind of lost their charm but um it really made me realize that board games are a much more um, uniting experience for people. It's it's a it's a great relationship builder, right? I mean, playing a board game with a group of friends is is a feeling and a, and a bond that you can't really replicate, even if you're all you know on a N64 playing Goldeneye together. It's still not the same thing. And especially not if you're playing online with somebody. So as far as entertainment, it just seemed like such a much more rich way to bring people together. It's more social. So I found more value in that. Um, and also, it's it was just <laughs> I didn't have to depend on as many people to, to bring an idea to life. So in, in video games, I'm a really crappy programmer. So um, I would always have to depend on programmers or someone else to to develop a ui and i just ended up being kind of the ideas person that waited for to for someone else to to bring me the pieces i needed so i can assemble them into a game i think a lot of people in,
0: approach video games in that way they they really want to make a video game and then they realize that the people who make video games are not the ideas people. They're just, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen in the video games industry and nobody cares. And so you have to be the programmer oh, exactly. you have to be the artist. because um, otherwise nobody cares about what you're doing.
1: And that's if if anything, I I whether this hurts me or 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 hurts someone else, my advice is if anybody's thinking about getting a game design degree or wanting to Spend money to go to college for for game designer or anything that broad of a specialization. My advice is don't because <laughs> if you want to make something, if you want to make a game, do it um, you know all these these really f- famous uh, uh, game designers and programmers, even in the video game space, did it themselves. they learned to program themselves out of, out of the want to. To bring this idea to life, so going through that process in the school uh, just really kind of hammered home that if it's something you want to do, just go ahead and do it. You you don't necessarily need to. Um, if you have a talent for it, if you have a knack, if you have a passion, just give it a whirl. that the The worst you can do is is fail, and even then, that's a learning experience. So you just learn from that and try it again. You
0: heard it here, kids. Um, Dropouts. That's the message.
1: No, but, but I, <laughs> I, I know. It. But you get what I'm saying, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's just, just create, do something. Don't wait to be, you know, if you, if you think you have a talent for something, if, if there's something that you want to bring to the world, just do it rather than wait.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally get what you mean, because I I have no aptitude for programming whatsoever. And my first inclination was, hey, maybe I want to make a video game. And then I realized, I don't have, I have literally none of the skills necessary to make a video game.
1: (laughs) It's tough, man. And and especially games nowadays. Um, Ours just, I mean, if you want to get into the games industry, it's—it's video games industry, I should say, it's much more about specializing in something you know don't get a game design degree get a, a you know a graphic art or or a 3d modeling you know find a find a very specific way to fit into the cog of, of the wheel of, of video games and then you'll you'll be much more successful you'll find a job and then you put then something trying out to be... get
0: death threats and people hating you and
1: <laughs> yeah so it's still a lose-lose right, right. just that's that's why board games hey you know every but the board game community is uh you know there's still trolls in the board game community, but it overall it's a much more pleasant community and as I said it's a much more social gaming experience um more more bond driven and fewer death threats slightly fewer <laughs> but
0: yeah <laughs> so let's uh let's with no segue whatsoever um let's talk about the thing that something that I find really really interesting is um i'll let you explain it um tell tell everybody what your really particular hobby is
1: so my real uh, particular hobby um is that i'm a, i'm an independent uh, professional wrestler here in in northern california um for almost just about a, a 12 years now 11 12 years um, that, that I've been doing it. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I'm a child of the eighties. What kid in the eighties didn't at least watch, uh, WWF in passing and really got into the characters and the larger than life presentation of it. I totally, I totally dug into that. I totally bit on it. And that's what I wanted. One of the things I always wanted to be when I grew up was a professional wrestler. And then, uh, uh, I grew up, I'm really not that. Um, I, I'm not a built person. My, I don't have the body to <laughs> to build up a lot of muscle. But I still went out. I still got trained. I went through the whole training and became a, a pro wrestler. And I don't claim to be the best. I, I'm not going to be anybody on TV or anything. But at least I can say that uh, I w- I'm I am what I wanted to be when I was when I was a kid which uh i i wish more more people would be able to to say that
0: is i i think that is completely awesome and if if i didn't care about my knees i would probably try that too um cuz that's just awesome
1: <laughs> yeah there's it's the 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 toll is is definitely is definitely there i mean it's all the uh the wrestler defense stereotypes of it's not really fake is true. I mean, I I'll never say that it's fake. I say it's controlled violence. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the best, the, uh, I think it's the most pure form of live theater because there's always the danger that the, the art in wrestling isn't the, you know, being able to fall without getting hurt. It's being able to make it look like, you're hurting the other guy in the ring with you, but what you're really doing is taking care of them the whole time.
0: Oh, and and I, you know, I have a background in the theater. That's uh, that's my my degree, and I have to say, as much as I enjoyed professional wrestling as a kid, you know, growing up in the '90s, um, which was pretty one of the big heydays of it. But now that oh, yeah. now that I have a really strong background in Um, stage combat i appreciate it even more now because i realize how tightly it's controlled and how how much they have to do to keep from killing one another
1: oh yeah i mean you're you're talking um i mean just the 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 kinetics of being able to work a a punch on somebody is something that takes a long time to make it look good i mean anybody can fake punch somebody make it look awful but it's a whole different uh, kit and caboodle to make it look really good, like you're really punching somebody, and have, you know, everybody knows, you know, wrestling's been exposed forever as, as far as the inner workings of it. So that, you know, that that cat's out of the bag. But the the goal now is if if we can suspend somebody's disbelief, even knowing what what professional wrestling is on, on the inside of, if that if we can suspend that disbelief, then. That's awesome. I mean it's just like going to a movie, right? You go to Jurassic World, you're not, you know, you know that that's not going to happen, but you allow yourself to immerse in the in the movie-going experience, lose yourself for 2 hours and have a great time doing doing it. Same thing with with professional wrestling. Um I'm a very introverted person in real life, but you know the 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 tenets of theater once once I'm on the stage, so to speak, once I'm in a ring and I'm able to, to put my personality through a megaphone and make it come out more exaggerated, I'm, I have no problem with huge crowds and performing in front of people. But backstage, I'm very pensive and quiet and, and shy. So go figure, right?
0: Well, speaking of that, let's, <laughs> um, what is your, your persona? I don't want to quite say character because I don't want to demean it, but what is your persona in, in the ring?
1: Yeah, so um, probably since about uh, 2003 or four on, um, I've been, I had a character which was Ryan Cade, which then got shortened to just Arcade, which was basically a video game gimmick. Nice. So I'd have, I mean, I spent way too much money on gear because I knew that I didn't have the body of a wrestler, so I might as well get the best custom gear that I could make. Um, I mean, I had Zelda tights, Nintendo tights, I had Dreamcast tights, Castlevania tights, uh, Space Invader tights, Donkey Kong tights, um, Street Fighter tights. I mean, every I did anything I could. That's to to try to to bring that character to the next level. That that's that's what I did. So I was arcade for most of my wrestling career, and then recently, now that I'm 33, I have kids. I have to kind of scale back my bookings. I'm no longer the uh, weekend warrior that works two wrestling shows every day on the weekend and bounces back from city to city. Um, I pretty much just work once a month. I wrestle one show, which is out in Oakland uh, called hood slam. And it's this really awesome underground sort of adults only kind of show that has a really cool grassroots uh, kind of underground feel to it. And it's much more um, it's an even more exaggerated version of wrestling right so in in hood slam the whole deal is that we we kind of wink and nod and kind of you know give a jab of the elbow to the audience because they know that we know that they know that this is all theater so the characters are super exaggerated you have a um, video game characters You know, Link and Sub-Zero and Scorpion wrestle at Hood Slam. So it's all kind of this nostalgia for 90s and uh, 80s kids that get wrapped up into this professional wrestling ball and then regurgitated once or twice a month in in Oakland at Hood Slam. So at Hood Slam, um, my character is is known as Pissed Off Nerdy Gamer or Pong, uh, if uh, you abbreviate it. And Pong is is pretty much the uh a wrestling parody personification of angry video game nerd.
0: I thought it looked pretty similar in <laughs> yeah. the pictures.
1: So, and that's that's directly what it is. So I came in. Um I started in Hood Slam Wrestling as Johnny Cage. I, I was Johnny Cage for for a couple years, and then I threw off the the costume of Johnny Cage to to be who who I really am and you know, you know, this is all kind of wrestling angle talk. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I cast aside this character and I started being true to who I was. And all these other people at, at Hood Slam that dress up as video game characters are doing it all wrong. And they're making a mockery of these things that I love. And so that's what, that's what Pong is kind of personifying, is the pissed off nerdy gamer that wants to keep everything pure. So are you, The cosplay needs to be right. Are you a heel then? Yes, yeah, I'm a heel, I'm a bad guy, through and through. That's got to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's so, I love it. And Hood Slam draws a, a lot of people, usually for, for independent shows, uh, you know, 200, 300 um, fans' uh, attendance is pretty, is pretty successful. Um, Hood Slam draws over 1,000 pretty consistently every month. That's a lot. And there's no barricade. To the ring. So their fans are up against the ring, standing standing only, no chairs. So it's person, you know, packed person to person every foot for this entire uh, Opera House theater, um, totally surrounding the ring. So that energy and the fact that all these people, most of the people that go to Hood Slam aren't wrestling fans. They're just there because it's a really fun thing to do. You go out with your friends, have a drink or two watch live professional wrestling that's absolutely ridiculous and have uh, the time of your life. So everybody's there to have a good time. If you're a bad guy, you do one little thing wrong and everybody boos you and you get that, that feed from the crowd of all the booze and it's fantastic. Um, yeah. It's just, you can't every wrestler, whenever they, they interview wrestlers or whatever, they always talk about that adrenaline that comes from, from wrestling. And it's it's true you can't uh, you can't duplicate it. I mean, <laughs> it Feels, you know, it's awesome. It sounds like uh,
0: with the theme, you guys are basically doing a live action Super Smash Brothers.
1: Kind of. I mean, we that 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 is accurate. I, we're not all not all the characters of Hood Slam are video game characters, but it's 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 a contingent of it. You know, it's it's part of the fabric of Hood Slam. There's a lot of You know, a lot of the gimmicks at Hood Slam are, you know, quote unquote normal or or non-video game characters. But I mean, last um, two weeks ago was our yearly completely video game themed show. So every single, even the characters at Hood Slam that aren't video game characters dress up as video game characters. So we had people dressing up as Solid Snake, uh, Toad from, you know, from Mario Brothers, Duke Nukem um terry bogard so we have way too much fun uh july's theme show is uh, saturday morning cartoons so all the you know all the the characters there are going to be dressing up as a, their favorite cartoon character in, in some way shape or form and i'm sure that'll make for some really interesting uh wrestling matches so
0: so if you're listening to this and you live in oakland and you don't go see captain planet body slam a guy (laughs) you might as well you're you're done you're done just stop listening
1: you're you're missing out and i mean it's uh if you're living in oakland and haven't heard about hood slam then that's even more of a a violation because it's hood slam's gotten a lot of press been on uh, uh larry king live new york times maxim Um, L.A. Times, everything, uh, Hood Slam's starting to get a lot of uh, kind of this buzz because it's this adult-themed kind of pseudo-burlesque wrestling show. And there's other shows, like there's a show called Lucho Vivoom in in Southern California. And there are shows like Chikara, which is kind of a kid-friendly version of what we do that's on the East Coast. Uh, But Hood Slam is so unique in it's in the, in its presentation and, and the vibe of the show that it really sets itself apart from the rest of the, the promotions that may seem similar, but either way, it's still, it's still pro wrestling. It's what I always wanted to do <laughs> since, since I was six. And I'll probably, uh, until my knees both, you know, pop out of my skin, I'll, I'll be finding some way to, roll around in the ring well i think i'm about to become a professional wrestler so my wife can blame
0: you for that um
1: <laughs> all right i'll i'll train you how to take care of yourself excellent That's okay.
0: excellent now now this is an actual proper segue uh because i think professional wrestling is a really good way to start talking about the game that you are <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. the green couch games is bringing the kickstarter in july and that is Jurassic attack oh yeah which is like basically professional wrestling with dinosaurs yeah
1: yeah, it's dinosaur fighting. What's what more could you could you want?
0: So now that I've it's... now that I've ruined it, let's um, <laughs> give me a quick what's your what's your elevator pitch? Your you know your, your little sound bite. Your good ten seconds to describe Jurassic Attack.
1: Oh goodness, Jurassic Attack is a humongous dinosaur fighting experience condensed into a focused, very strategic two-player game. Um. And uh, um, I'm so long winded at, at elevator pitches not my strong suit, but that's, that's, if I had to condense it down, that's what it would be. But, but at its core, um, the real cool thing about Jurassic Attack is that it can be in, enjoyed by a whole range of age levels and gamer levels, from casual to hardcore, there's something in there for everybody. When you start to pick up the nuances of how the cards interact, um, that uh, I really dig, and I'm I'm happy, I'm very fortunate that Jason uh, Katarski with Green Couch uh, Green Couch Games thought the saw the same thing in my little my little game. So
0: and when we talk about cool. dinosaurs, we're not saying like Godzilla here. I mean, we're actually like. You know r- dinosaurs that lived and breathed once upon a time, you know basically in the rain together,
1: absolutely yes, and it's uh I even have the the feathered raptor, so you know everyone talk- the the Spielbergian raptors in Jurassic park um aren't what they what aren't what archaeologists are, are, think they look like anymore they think that the raptors had feathers on it so um everything in the game is as, as much as i could i tried to personify what you know these huge carnivorous monsters uh would have been the the only the only fictional kind of liberty that i took in the game is with the dilophosaurus's uh, acid spit um, in jurassic park you'll remember poor uh nedry got uh Big face full of the, the black blinding spit from the Dilophosaurus with the big neck frills. Um, so, that, that dinosaur is in the game. The Dilophosaurus is in the game. But I, in real life, the Dilophosaurus didn't have a neck frill and it didn't have acid, you know, blinding spit, venomous spit. But it was too good of a, a, a game mechanic. Uh, something to play with for game mechanics, I had to leave it in. So the Dilophosaurus's uh, ability, what it does in the game is it blinds your opponent for the next round and you get to pick their card that they play for them. Yeah. So
0: so to kind of break down the, um, the mechanics, um, can you give a, a quick rundown? It's a two player game.
1: Yeah. Two player game, uh, identical decks, uh, two identical decks of 27 cards. Um, in the – there's seven dinosaurs types, and there's one eggs, uh, f- uh, five eggs in there, uh, five egg cards, but eggs aren't a dinosaur. So um, each player gets the two decks, um, draw five cards And then depending on the cards um, that you have in your hand, you can play one or more cards face down simultaneously in front of you. So if you have a dinosaur that's the same species, same type of dinosaur, they can pack together and you can place them down at the same time. Um, Some dinosaurs, like a a pteranodon, can pack with any dinosaur uh, pretty much. So you can kind of – there's a little bit of that bluffing – aspect to the game where you're both placing face down cards at the same time you see that your opponent's only putting down two cards but you know are they do they have is that a really strong dinosaur that's hiding some eggs or is it two really weak ones what's he playing Um, once both players place face down cards you then simultaneously reveal them and then you follow whatever the dinosaurs powers are on the cards and compare their ferocity values, which is kind of like their strength and the strongest pack wins. You take your opponent's dinosaurs and put them into your score pile. And then, um, what's a a unique mechanic in this game. Um, uh, I shouldn't say unique who knows it might be used in, in some obscure game, but I don't know it is that the only way that a player can draw cards in Jurassic attack is if they lose. So if you have a handful of five cards, you play four of them down, you win that round, you don't get to draw any cards and your opponent gets to draw back up to five cards. So there's this really good balance in the game of wanting to lose on purpose in order to gain cards back up and whether or not you want to keep that competitive edge and try to get more victory points um uh before drawing back up. So it, it creates some really good, interesting strategic moments in the game, especially when you're trying you're trying your hardest to lose, but your opponent knows that. So they're trying to lose also on purpose to try to edge you out. So uh it, it makes some very interesting uh Interesting decisions in there
0: now, correct me if I'm wrong um just to kind of give give the listeners uh a feel of of what the game is like it it feels like a more strategic uh version of war a game that quite literally everyone has played
1: yes it at, at, you know you you take down a lot of the the components it may seem similar to a war um, but how the – as you said, how the, the powers work with one another, each uh, dinosaur's ability, and how they can pack with one another, mm-hmm. and some dinosaurs won't pack with others. And the way it all works out in the end makes it something similar but completely different. Oh, yeah. Because there, there's the shades of strategy. and it, My way of explaining the game also is, is that it's, it's, a, it's an inch deep and a mile wide. right. So um, and I really dig that. And that's that's the reason it may seem easy to kind of condescend and, and, and say, oh, it's just war with powers. But it's it's more than that. But even taking it at that face value, as you said, everybody's played war. Right. It's easy for little kids to understand it. It's easy for casual gamers to understand it. So already you have a similar ground when trying to teach the game. Right off the bat.
0: And, and you know, touchstones are really important. So to be able to say to someone, you know, have you played War? Then you're going to know how to play this game in five seconds. And then you'll get to enjoy it for way longer than that as you really develop strategies.
1: Exactly. And it's my, my biggest joy when testing this game is watching people realize that it's, it's way more than, than what they think it's going to be. Mm-hmm right? Because there, there is that hurdle, right? So there's a whole section of, of people listening right now that, that want to throw their, you know, their their whichever device to listen to their podcast on out the window because they don't want, you know, a war game or a trick-taking game doesn't sound appetizing to them. But um, when, when Jason was testing this, he was at Origins testing this game um, with other designers, well-known uh, designers in the community. And All the feedback that came back was really positive that how surprised they were on how fun the game was, uh, how it really, the the strategy of it kept getting better and better. The more you familiarize yourself with the little ecosystem of powers and abilities that I've set up, um, the more ways you can figure out how to, to develop a different strategy to see how this will work. Well, maybe I'll just play you know, maybe I'll try to be a little less aggressive at the beginning this time, or maybe I'll try to use my eggs a little bit better, or try to hold cards more. So on that aspect, that's where the middle to heavyweight gamers can really find the the nuance in this game and make it something really deep and really competitive. Um, but for little kids like my five-year-old can play the game like war. As long as they can read, they can put the cards down. There's really cool-looking dinosaur art. The kids will love it to play it, and the uh, you know bigger kids and other gamers are going to find something in the game as well. So it's the, the the lateral movement of of what you can do with this game strategically is really an awesome uh, an awesome point to the game.
0: And to to establish that even more, to really vouch for. Um, for the quality of this game, you know most, uh, maybe not most, but a lot of people who are coming on to the game of crowdfunding are talking about a game that they are going to put on Kickstarter themselves. You know they're going to self-publish it and 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 do it that way. But this is actually being published um, by you know pretty pretty serious uh, company here. This is uh, Green Couch Games, and if you listening don't recognize that right off the bat, you probably recognize Fidelitas. Uh, or Best Treehouse Ever, which had just a smash Kickstarter earlier this oh, year. Yeah. Um, they just knocked it out of the park on that one. Um, so that, to me, just right off the bat says, yeah, that's something to look at um, just you know, right away, because obviously they're going to pick projects carefully.
1: Yeah, and I was – I mean, it blew me away. The, the whole process really surprised me. I didn't – I mean, as I said, I'm 1% ambition, so – I like to create be just because I like to create. So I go way overboard <laughs> with my board games that I make and go all out, have art the art all done for them myself, not ever expecting them to get published. It's just because I like playing and I like designing games. Um, so when – Jason said that, that he wanted to publish it. It blew my mind because not only did I not expect it, but I'm such a huge fan of green of green couch games and Jason's work, you know, a uh, Heartland trucking company, you got uh dead drop, Mm-mm. which was uh, published by crash. Um, that's Jason. That's, that's Jason Katarski. He's, he's an awesome, you know, designer in his own right. So yeah, that it's, I'm very blessed. It's an excellent opportunity. Um, I never wanted us to self-publish. I never wanted to deal with Kickstarter. So being able to see it and and see what Jason is doing to prepare for the Kickstarter is is even more because I love learning. I love learning something new. It uh, gives me purpose. (laughs) And and you can
0: really feel good about um, whose hands you're putting this in because, you know, even established companies, uh, companies who have a lot more games than Green Couch, you know, it's not like every company puts on good campaigns and does things correctly but you know yeah but Best Treehouse ever was one of the better campaigns all year in terms of how well they ran it and how prepared they were and so that's you got to feel good about that that they're going to do an excellent job with this campaign I feel
1: Oh yeah I mean I'm I'm pumped it's it's going to be it will be a quicker campaign so the the idea with with Jurassic Attack, is that uh, the game as it was presented, as I presented to to Jason, was already functioned perfectly. Mm -hmm. So there was really nothing to change. So this has kind of been on a fast track since then. So it's going to be limited stretch goals. So um, I had uh, ideas for three different types of cards that I could add into the ecosystem of the game Mm -hmm. that added depth to the game but didn't disturb what the core of the game is so um so i have those kind of cooking around for stretch goals is probably going to be around a two to three week campaign so it's going to be quick strike in and out get let's get this game in in backers hands really quick Mm -hmm. and and get them up and running because the game is is set and ready to go um now i
0: think that quite a few people listening would be very interested in um you know how did you go from "Hey, I made a game to "Hey, someone's publishing my game
1: <laughs> well this there is there's a very um influential uh fulcrum to this uh, in this process which was uh, ryan sanders who's who's inquisitive meeple um he has the Meeple dot com he does a lot of um inter- uh, written interviews for game designers uh it's a really excellent he's he's an awesome journalist a written journalist um but him and i have we've we've just been we've been friends for a while long distance chatting um just about stuff and nothing here nothing there and um i'd always send him you know my games prototypes so that he can enjoy them and uh Jurassic Attack is one that he was he just just he held the banner he started waving the banner for Jurassic attack as, as much as he could. And I'm so shy and introverted that I, w- I was still trying to get up the cojones to try to, to go to cons and, and start to pitch games. So Ryan uh, Sanders, um, took it upon himself and got a hold of Jason. He was interviewing Jason for, for the website and then said, Hey, I have this friend that has this game. It's really good. You should talk to him and ask him for a prototype so jason got in touch with me i send him a prototype Uh, he took it to origins and the next thing i knew he came back from origins and he said great i want to i want to sign you and we're we're gonna i want this is ready to go right now let's let's do a kickstarter in july
0: so this is what we recap what we've learned so far we've learned uh, (laughs) drop out of school become a professional wrestler and then um get influential friends uh to to make pave the way for you and then you'll be successful. I think that's if everybody can just do that then you'll be in really good hands. No, but seriously. I mean that's, <laughs> it's such a it's such an awesome thing that um that you landed a deal like this with um with Green Couch with Green Couch and with Jason. That's that's very very cool. How many games before Jurassic Attack have you made? How many prototypes are sitting around the
1: house? so i have uh two game two games that are pretty much uh in the in the can ready to you know all done and kind of sitting around one's a modular uh haunted house game um kind of think a cabin in the woods type of game where where you're controlling a, a modular haunted house um and then i have another one uh, called Help Wanted, which is about uh, capturing animal outlaws, and it's it's much more of a, a bluffing and, and social interaction type of game. Um, um, those are both in the can. I also have uh, RPG Merchant Tycoon, uh, which was my very first design that I ever put on Game Crafter um, that, that I sat down to design. Um, I'm still kind of working through that one. That's one that, that I, I will probably revisit in the future. And then I probably have... At the moment, uh, I think I have about five or six designs in, in, in early development that I'm kind of trying to, to figure out which one grabs my attention first to focus on. Now, uh
0: wanted to talk about the art for Jurassic Attack because it's really cool. It's uh, very evocative and in-your-face and has that that wrestling and that, you know, head to head kind of feel. Was that something that you arranged prior to everything with green couch or did they arrange
1: that? That was all arranged before. So, um, the art on the game is, is done by Shaz Yong, who's a, a Malaysian illustrator. Um, he's somebody that I got in touch with, uh, over BGG, uh, a board game geek, just looking for an artist for, um, for for one of my for the haunted house game, I was looking for an artist for it, mm-hmm. and struck up kind of this this friendship with him. Uh, realized how awesome he is <laughs> at doing art, and he was just getting into the the business, so to speak. So, um, I've been able to develop this relationship with him early on, and and so far he's been the only person I've done my art with for all my games. Um, but he's he's so flexible. I mean, the the art in in Jurassic Attack is. It's cartoony, it's comic-y, but yet it's still kind of realistic. It it's a very weird this really cool middle ground where the colors really pop. It looks very visceral, but it still has that kind of playful cartoony feel to it without being too cartoony.
0: And you know, here's so uh, I I think a lot of people would say, you know, don't make big investments into art until there's some kind of path ahead of you, especially if you're going to pitch to publishers. But I'm kind of in your vein as well. I think that whether you're whether you're pitching your game directly to Kickstarter or just showing it at convention or just showing it to people in general, a good package goes a long way. So being able to say, look at this game, it's fun, I made it, and it looks really cool, people really pay attention to that
1: yeah and and that's not to say that that you still can't make you know uh, i mean hundred thousands of games get signed with with placeholder art or or no art at all um so it's it's not you know only because of that um, i just i like going full bore into my designs because the art is such a huge part of the experience of games for me mm-hmm. that I have to have that in order to feel satisfied with a design on that's that's the icing on the cake for me
0: honestly for me uh i don't even show anybody outside of my house a game until it's a prototype which is it, it's stupid of me i should just be able to show index cards to people but i won't do it <laughs> i won't do it i'll go i'll i'll you know buy a deck of cards from the game crafter with a simple design on it and have something to show people. Because I feel like that way they, you know, everybody gets a little more invested if it looks like something that's
1: real. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that the art really draws people in no matter how rudimentary it may be. It's just, to me, it's just, it's part and parcel with the theme. I'm, I'm very, I love diving headfirst into a theme of a game. So the, uh, the, the art is such a huge deal for me. And, and I, I spend the money for the art knowing full well I may never, ever get that money back, and I don't expect to. So um, I just do it because I, I think it's, it looks cool. I like the art. <laughs> so well, then you can buy the – I
0: like having the game with – that's a full package. You, then you can buy the originals and frame them and put them on the wall up of your pinball machines. Who's this to say I haven't done that? Uh, okay, I haven't done that yet but it's a good idea it's i've uh for the last game i made i've got one of the originals sitting right next to me and uh i would advise it it's oh, that's awesome it's uh it's a lot of ownership right there
1: that's very cool yeah and maybe i maybe i should do that i'm not uh i'm more sentimental with the games them themselves than the uh than the original art but that's Maybe I should do. That. It's cool to Maybe have. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. Now,
0: yeah. um, Let's Keeps let's sake. talk a, a quick bit about the Kickstarter itself. I know that you're not running it, but how? What kind of details do you have about the campaign that they're running? Do you know what when it starts?
1: So we're aiming for July 10th to to start it. Um, all the reviewers already got their uh, their review copies of the game um, on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I mean, as you know jason told me from the beginning this is going to be quick because the game's ready to go we're going to shoot it out of a cannon right um so, so the the review copies are out we're launching uh well what will be next week as as of tonight uh july 10th um so what i've been doing is is just trying to uh um i mean on my end i've been doing the banner art and and some of the inserts uh graphics stuff for the Kickstarter. starter but uh um July tenth, probably a two to three week campaign, a relatively low funding goal. Um, you know, Jason's goal of this campaign is that you know this game is so fun and so good. He just want, he wants to get it out there to, to people. He wants to have a campaign that will be successful. That backers will know from day one. You know, they're going to get an awesome product and and something that that hasn't been brought up yet. That that I should bring up is that the cards are what we call Dino sized cards. So all the the cards in the game are, are tarot sized, so, so they're larger than than poker cards. Mm-hmm. And when you, you hold the cards in your hand, it, it t- totally fits. You you couldn't imagine this game with smaller cards. It doesn't feel right. Just the bigger cards with dinosaurs on them, you huge cards in your hands that you slap down on the t- table and fight. You know your friends' dinosaurs. It just it all makes sense. So, um, you know we 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 want to get this product to all the backers. We want it to be a smooth campaign that uh, everyone can get a game real quick that they enjoy and that they can play with their whole family and friends.
0: And do you know what the goal is going to be?
1: Um, I, I don't know. Um, um, Jason's still working out the, the math on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the The game itself is probably going to be in like the 12 to $15 range. Um, you know, the, it's larger cards right. so for for a 54 card deck it's still going to be more than poker cards would be right so um you know that 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 comes into it but at, at 12 to 15 dollars for even though it's a two-player game this is as i say, it's a game with with a lot of replay value this isn't one that you just you know put on a shelf and bring down it every once in a while it's a fantastic filler that you can play with any. Anybody. So basically, so that, that money is going to get a good go a long way.
0: So, for less than the cost of seeing Jurassic World, uh, you can bring dinosaurs into your own home. Um, Chris Pratt not included, and you know have way more enjoyment time than you would seeing Steven Spielberg's thing.
1: Exactly, precisely. Rather, you know. Rather than going to Jurassic World with your girlfriend, you know, or or, or, or husband, or whomever, uh, kids, just sit down and play a play a game, game of, play a few games of Jurassic Attack because uh, you can't just play one game of it. You're you're going to play a few in a row, um, and you'll get less money. You'll get a better experience. You'll bond. You're not just sitting in a theater looking at a screen for for two and a half hours. It's no brainer
0: take that steven spielberg
1: yeah take that
0: yeah stupid dinosaur movie um (laughs) now for someone who's listening here and maybe they're on the fence maybe they're maybe you know they're listening to it and the campaign's live right now and they're thinking i don't know do i want to see chris pratt or do i want to buy some dinosaur cards what what can you tell that person right now to make them go, yes, I got to go buy Jurassic Jurassic attack.
1: Because you can take these dinosaurs anywhere with you. Um, You can put them in a purse. You can put them in your back pocket. Even though they're tarot size, they can still fit in a back pocket, play them whenever you want, waiting in a line, having a cup of coffee. I mean, this is a Jurassic world experience. That's even cooler because there's way more different types of dinosaurs in this game than there are in, in Jurassic World. Uh, spoilers. But um, uh, it's something you can take anywhere with you, and it's an experience that keeps on giving. Whereas if you just go to the movies, you're just going to see one movie. Up and done. You'll have a good time, but after you leave the movie theater, all you are is, uh, you know, you have a popcorn hangover, and your back hurts from staring up at the screen for, for a couple hours
0: excellent we have ruined the movie industry and uh is there anything before we before we wrap up here uh we're getting right near the end of the hour as it turns out um is there anything uh that you want to you want to get out there and make sure people know that we uh, we haven't covered yet
1: um Yes. Uh, later on, probably around August, September, uh, Jason and, and Green Couch Games are going to be doing a, another Kickstarter for an awesome game by Matt Wolf, who did Wombat Rescue uh, recently, a successful campaign with Eagle Griffin. Um, uh, they're going to be bringing uh, Avalanche at Yeti Mountain, which is a really cool kind of '80s themed uh, skiing racing game where you're you're battling a Yeti who's trying to to you know, trigger all these avalanches it's it's a really cool game so jason's really packing this summer with some excellent filler games that you're going to get a lot of, of use out of so uh, you know we got jurassic attack coming july 10th and then you got uh avalanche at yeti mountain by matt wolf uh coming in august september so just keep your eye on the horizon for that check board game geek um give us some thumbs for jurassic attack and avalanche at yeti mountain show the love and uh Support us for Kickstarter, and we'll give you excellent games.
0: See, Jason, when you listen to this, I think you're going to need to hire Ryan as a as a PR guy. He can't even go through one interview without talking about other people. So think about that. <laughs> I think he could use a salary. Um, now, oh, no. when uh, when people are listening to this, uh, how can someone reach out and uh, and tell you how cool Jurassic Attack is? How can they reach out there in in the tubes?
1: Please do. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at the fierce punch. So at the fierce punch on Twitter, I'm still getting used to, to being social on Twitter. Um, you know, still growing pains for me, but, uh, I'll still, uh, no worries about having conversations and, and talking about the game and any questions you may have. So reach out, follow me. I'll follow back. Let's do it.
0: And make sure to go see him, uh, pile drive sonic the hedgehog in oakland um, <laughs> if i was there i would i would totally do that um we've uh, reached the end of our hour and i want to thank you very much ryan because you've been my first guest here at uh, the game of crowdfunding interview edition and uh you've been awesome oh wow
1: oh no thank you paul i really appreciate it. you've been awesome man excellent interview are really cool. Well, thanks very looking much. Looking forward to future, future interviews. I'll keep my, my ears open.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. And for everybody listening, make sure to go visit uh, the Jurassic Attack Kickstarter page. Uh, when this goes live, it's probably going to be live. In fact, we can probably coordinate that to make sure that happens. Um, so check the show notes. The uh, The Kickstarter link will be right there. And you know, for 50, around $15, maybe less, um, you can get this really awesome-looking game about fighting dinosaurs. And that's really all you need in life and in this summer is fighting dinosaurs. Uh, Thank you very much, everybody listening. And uh, thanks very much
1: to Ryan. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for checking out a United
0: Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to UnitedGeeksNetwork.com where you will find... The Game Crafter Official Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to the tabletop game print-on-demand company, The Game Crafter, and its growing community. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your
1: geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.